0: Good afternoon and welcome to Christians in Parliament's carol service here in the Chapel of St. Mary O'Neill. We're delighted to have you here with us. A very special welcome to Amy Orr Ewing, Director of Programs for the Oxford Centre for Christian Apologetics, who will be speaking to us during this service. She is the author of several books on the truth, and the relevance of the Christian faith to our lives today and speaks at churches and conferences all over the world. So we're really delighted that she is with us today. Thank you very much, Amy, for coming to be with us. You should all have your service sheets with you and just to say that everything will just happen. We will be announcing who is coming forward. So please just pay attention to your service sheet and follow as we go through. Once more, <coughs>
1: of our hearts, let us be open to receive the Christ child,
0: <coughs> and we stand for the first time.
2: Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honour Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of a deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation. will be the fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and the peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accompany this.
1: 2 to 5a. But you, Bethlehem, Hephratha, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord, his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be our peace.
3: Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfil what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the peoples, chief priests, and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem and Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least amongst the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, said, And having been warned in a dream not to go back to herd, they returned to their country by another route.
4: When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what has been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed
1: Christmas is such an exciting time, there's so much going on, there are parties and food and fun and meetings with relatives and presents, there's so much to enjoy. But it is possible to go through all of that in this season and to really miss the heart of what this season is about. Christmas is a time for fun and presents but it's also a time to reflect on the meaning And purpose of our lives. Perhaps a time to question whether there's another dimension to life than the purely material. Perhaps even a time to question whether God actually exists and might be interested in you and I. To question whether there's any real substance to the Christian claims that we've been singing about and hearing readings about. Now, some would say that to even consider that possibility would be to delude ourselves. The story is told of a woman who was walking along the beach, and she stumbled upon a genie's lamp. She was amazed. She rubbed it, and lo and behold, the genie appeared. And the woman said, ''Oh, good. Am I going to receive three wishes?'' The genie said, "No, I'm afraid that due to inflation, inflation, constant downsizing, low wages in the third world, and very fierce global competition, I can only grant you one wish. So make it good." The woman didn't hesitate. She reached into her handbag, produced a map of the world, pointed to it, and said, "I want world peace. I want all of these countries to stop fighting with each other." The genie looked at the map and said, "Listen, lady, Those countries have been at war for years, thousands of years. I'm good, but I'm not that good. I don't think it can be done. Make another wish. So she thought for a moment and she said, well, you know, I've never been able to find quite the right partner, one that's considerate and fun, likes cooking and helps with the cleaning, is attractive and gets on with my mother, doesn't watch sports all the time and is faithful. That's what I wish for, the perfect mate. The genie let out a long sigh and said, OK, give me the mat back. (laughs) The Christmas story is not a case of genies appearing out of bottles. It's not a case of fantasy or delusion. It's not even a case of wish fulfilment. I wish the world were this way. It's not a case of I would like it to be true. Because as we saw in the reading, the Christmas story is about God entering history. This actually happened. God came in history. You'll notice that Luke locates the story of Jesus' birth in the era of a Roman governor's particular census. In other words, we can know that this happened and when this happened. Luke was a doctor, a man of science, A Gentile who wrote his history, having very thoroughly investigated his sources. History is important. Christmas is not about fantasy or some ethereal moral principle. This is a verifiable historical reality. God is staking a claim for our attention on a historical person, the person of Jesus of Nazareth entering human history and initiating relationship with us as humanity and doing it in a way that you and I can observe, that we can scrutinise, that we can question and that we can ultimately make a decision about for ourselves. At Christmas, God came in history. Secondly, we see from the story, the narratives that we read, That God came in reality, not just in history, but also in reality as you and I know it. He is a baby born into a broken world. The Christmas story is not located in some other fantastical universe of fluffy bunnies and saccharine sweetness and candy canes. Jesus is born to an unmarried refugee woman who is caught up in the movement of people. The Christmas story tells us of a God who enters this sinful suffering world that you and I recognise. And that's powerfully demonstrated by the place of Jesus' birth, not his own home, but a place where animals were kept in a stranger's house. And his first bed, a manger, that means an animal feeding trough, Jesus' first cradle was an animal food receptacle. My third child was born at St Thomas's Hospital, just over the water from here. A stunning NHS hospital and an amazing birth experience for me. This baby, Emmanuel, God with us, was born into the dirt of, of animals, born into the discomfort of being displaced. In Christ, God doesn't remain distant from this suffering world. He doesn't just come in history, He comes in reality. I have three boys, and they're terribly excited about um, Christmas. And one of the things they've asked me for time and time again is an Xbox, but I'm too uh, committed to them being reading children and not being taken up with gadgets, and too mean to get them one. Well, this story that I'm going to tell you is the story of a, of a similar boy with similarly mean parents who also wouldn't buy him an Xbox. And he desperately tried everything. He tried negotiation. He tried cajoling. He tried bad behaviour. He tried good behaviour. None of it worked. His parents would get it. Wouldn't give in. So he decided that he would try God. So one day he got down on his knees and said, "God, let's make a deal. If I'm good for a week, you can give me the Xbox." And the next day he woke up and his sister was as annoying as ever and he found himself in an argument with her. And he realised that holding his end of the bargain was going to be harder than he thought. So that night at his prayer time he got down on his knees and said, God, I need to renegotiate the deal. I can't be good for a week but I will try a day and it's the Xbox for me. Similar thing happened the next day. He was unable to be good even for a few hours. So that night, after the family had gone to sleep, um, it was completely dark. He crept out of his room, down the stairs, opened the front door and crept down the garden path, crossed the road and went into the local Catholic church. He took the statue of Mary that he saw there, hid it under his coat, crossed over the road, up the garden path, in the front door, up the stairs, into his room. And he hid the statue under his duvet, and he got down on his knees and said, Jesus, if you ever want to see your mother again, it's <laughs> The reality is that whether we're talking about the suffering of the world that we see on our TV screens, or we're talking about our own moral struggles, or perhaps our own personal experiences of of darkness within us. The reality of our world is that it is not all saccharine sweetness. But the dirtiness of the stable parallels perhaps the dirtiness of our lives. The scars we bear, the secret fears, the things we hope to God no one will ever find out about us. The things that have violated us, the things that we have perpetrated against others into this dirty, painful world. Jesus is born. He meets us as we are. He comes in reality. So in the Christmas story, God comes in history. He comes in reality. But thirdly, we see that he also comes in glory. As we read the story, we see that the glory of the Lord shines around There's an extraordinary contrast in the text here between the the squalor of the experiences of that refugee family and this transcendent glory of God that is revealed that transfixes and terrifies the shepherds when they see it. Here we encounter a ring of truth in the text as we see the shepherds are terrified a natural human reaction to glorious, majestic angels and the very radiance of God being revealed. And we're reminded that into the darkness of this world, God's goodness and his love and his blazing light has broken in. Now, angels are powerful spiritual beings who've been with God since the creation of the universe and the start of time. And they knew something astonishing and something astounding when they saw it. And when they see God born in history as a baby, they burst into song. Think about the worlds that God has created and the angels with their grasp of time and their wonder of God and their witness of creation. And at this moment, their joy is unleashed. Isaiah prophesied, and we heard it read, that the people walking in darkness would see a great light. God comes in history. He comes in reality into the brokenness of our world, but he also comes in glory. In Jesus, whom the Gospel of John, describes as the light of the world, the light shining in the darkness we see that the beauty of god and his blazing moral uh, goodness and aesthetic beauty is revealed in this world of darkness and confusion he comes in history god comes in reality he comes in glory and finally he comes to save the angels tell the shepherd shepherds today in the town of david a savior has been born When Joseph is told about Jesus and he's given that name, he's told that this name is given because he will save his people from their sins. What does that mean? It means to deliver us from the force of the addictions and the compulsions that bind us. It means to forgive us for the things that we're morally accountable for. To heal us and cleanse us where we've been the the victim of things perpetrated against us. To restore us to a peaceful and right relationship with God and others where we've been the perpetrator. He will save people from their sins. But how would he do this? Very good friend of mine, about five years ago, was doing all of his Christmas shopping in two hours in Selfridge 's on Christmas Eve. You can imagine the scene in the shop tempers were rising, stress levels were stratospheric, and there were lots of men doing their very last minute shopping and This friend found himself at the end of the longest queue he 'd ever observed in Britain, which was a very, very long queue. And he felt um, fear and panic rising as the walls of the shop seemed to be closing in. And behind him, an equally exasperated man just exclaimed in a very un-British way, they should kill the guy who invented Christmas. The person in front of him turned round and said, they did. They did. How would Jesus fulfil these words spoken over him that he would... Save us, that he came to save us. Well, he would go on to die on a Roman cross. Having been laid in a Judean manger, he would go on to die on a Roman cross. The only one who's ever led a perfect life to die a sacrificial death. A cartoon has been found on the walls of ancient Rome. You can go and see in a museum now in Rome of how Jesus' crucifixion appeared to people who first heard of it, the idea of a God who would suffer and die, a God who would be demeaned. And this cartoon has a man's body hanging on a cross. But it's a grotesque image because on the man's body is the head of a donkey, And underneath this horrible image is a a young man drawn with his hand raised in worship, kneeling before this image. And the inscription beneath it, a satirical inscription, reads, He Worships His God. A God who would come and suffer. A God who would be defiled, demeaned, humiliated. A God who would open himself to the brokenness of this world and take that upon himself. It had no parallel in any other idea where God's deities were there to demand obsequiums from their followers. But this God has come to save. That's how much he loves us. He comes to save, to forgive, to deliver. So he came in history, God came in reality, he came in glory, and he came to save. And in the readings we heard, we're given an appropriate response to this Emmanuel, God, with us. This group of shepherds who've been doing their work and seeing these angels lighting up the sky, their response to what they see is to worship These are earthy, working people, not given to flights of fancy. And yet they're drawn, they're moved to worship. They realise that something extraordinary, something history-shaping is happening. And just like millions of people since, throughout history, their reaction, their response, is to worship. And then we heard in the reading of those Eastern philosophers who have been studying the sky... And again, saw these prophetic signs pointing to Jesus as God with us. And when they come across this baby, amazing for that culture, as for ours, they bow down on their knees and they worship. They've seen the sign, they've seen the evidence, and they choose, they decide to worship. And all over the world in this season, this Advent season, people hear these readings and make a similar decision. I too will worship this Christ child, his light, his saving deliverance in our reality substantiated in history. So I'm just going to finish um, these thoughts by reading out as a prayer the words of that carol that we've just sung from O Little Town of Bethlehem, the last verse. So maybe you would like to close your eyes or perhaps read along as we just finish these thoughts and respond similarly to the shepherds and the magi, that appropriate response to the Christ child. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us we pray cast out our sin and enter in be born in us today we hear the Christmas angels their great glad tidings tell oh come to us abide with us our Lord Emmanuel Amen perhaps Um, not just in the Christmas season, but as you continue your work here, you might be interested in continuing in a journey of discovery of what it means to know this God who is God with us. And um, Christians in Parliament put on all sorts of things that that you can um, be part of. There's a course called Life Explored beginning in January. You may want to explore further in that. Or there are weekly Bible study groups that you can um, be part of. All of the details of these things are at the bottom of your notice sheet. And there are also chapel services regularly happening here um, for the community that works here. And I really encourage you to continue in that pursuit of, of Christ, who is God with us, through those means. Thank you.
0: yours this Christmas and always. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon you and upon your loved ones and remain with you forever. Amen.